Welcome, the Christian Marauder here. Join us today as we continue our study on the book of Revelations, chapter 17 and 18, entitled Babylon Rising. With that, let's jump right on in to today's show. Bible prophecy, like the book of Revelation, can be very confusing. It can even be daunting. It's not an impossible task to grasp Bible prophecy. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inspired men like the Apostle John to use a common way of writing known back then, but largely forgotten now, called the dramatic narrative approach. Let me try to explain that really quickly so you can understand it. First, there is a dramatic scene that just kind of jumps out at you. Then comes a narrative that explains some details. Then all of a sudden, it jumps right into another dramatic event. And all these dramatic events are tied to each other throughout a prophetic book. I bet you didn't know that. And then the events are described. And inside the events can appear another dramatic event that will tie into other dramatic events and tie into the other explanations. When you comprehend that, Bible prophecy actually comes very, very much alive. For example, in Revelations uh, 16, verse 18, the second part of it, B, it starts out with a dramatic scene that reveals another topic that's coming about, because dramatic scenes always reveal some sort of dramatic topic coming about. And so in Re Revelation 16, verse 18, it opens with this dramatic scene. And the great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then it goes on explaining some other things. But that is a dramatic scene that kind of jumps out in the narrative account. It tells you what's coming is going to be further explained in just a few more verses. Okay, that's what it's trying to tell you. In fact, this is brought out in Revelations chapter 17 and 18 that explains the detailed narratives of why it fills in the gaps of Babylon's past, describing who Babylon is, its rise in history, and Babylon's future. Just how Jesus mentions in Revelations chapter 1 verse 19 how to look and understand this book. He laid it out right there for you. And I'll repeat this again. I said this before. It's Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Now the New King James says, Write the things which you have seen, that refers to the past, and the things which are, and I'm stopping here, that's the historical flow, and the things which will take place after this, that's the future, okay? So, uh, so you have a dramatic scene, past, present, and future, okay? Past and the present, the historical flow, and then it'll tie into other dramatic events that will, the narrative details, uh, accounts that follow will fill in the gaps, okay? So let's break down Revelations chapter 16, verse 18, to see what I mean. Revelation 16, verse 18 begins with this one sentence that jumps out at you. And great Babylon, doesn't say just Babylon, it says great Babylon was remembered before God. This is Babylon. Babylon is described as the den of all unclean birds and jackals and unclean animals, which refers to demons and fallen watchers and all the occult workings. Babylon is the master of all deception and lies, of all sorcery, of giving you all manner of occult illumination, of all foul things that seek to burn down everything and rebuild it on the ashes of the old. Babylon is tyranny. Babylon is narcissism. Babylon has earned the fierceness of God's wrath. It is a system. It is a spirit behind this system. There's a principality behind it right now. To illustrate why this is, let me do a brief review again of Revelation 16, because I want to bring out some very important points that I left out of 
episodes 18 and 19 that I need to get in there. And then I'm going to jump into Revelation chapter 17 and 18. But you got to understand this part again delay a foundation. So Revelation chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 begins with the, the dramatic scenes of gathering seven angels to pour out the seven final bowls of God's wrath upon fallen humanity and the demonic kingdom, the principalities and powers that control the system. Okay. Now just remember something folks. I'm presenting this not as a thus saith the Lord. Um, this is just my commentary based on the research I did just like anyone else would do when they teach from this book. I'm not adding anything to it at all. I'm giving you my commentary and results of my study and breaking it down. Um, there is a lot of good commentary and teachings on this. I'm going to go build off of those. I'm still on those, but I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to look at the principalities and powers behind these things because the symbolism indicates this. And since the gods of Egypt were being judged during the plagues, like it says in the book of Exodus, we're seeing the same thing here. I'm just looking at it just a little different uh, so you can understand. And I hope you enjoy this. Don't think I'm adding anything extra into the book. I'm not. I'm just giving you a commentary. It's, a, it's my research. It's my hypothesis. Let's go back to Revelation 16, verses 1 and 2. I'm not going to read all these verses to you, but the first four uh, bowls of wrath are all related to the earth, sea, and fresh water, and, and, a, and fire, meaning the fiery sun that burns with fire. Those words are found in the text, okay? These are related to the head demonic principalities that the pagan world will say is necessary for to maintain a healthy, good, prosperous life. Well, folks, these are the elemental spirits who deceive in order to hide how they're going to come to kill, rob, and destroy from humanity. For example, the first bowl is poured on earth. That's Mother Earth, Gaia. That's an elemental spirit who, if one honors to take care of and nurture and tend and keep your, your guaranteed long life, plenty, plenteous crops, prosperity, and health. And we have uh, Gaia worship on the rise today with climate change and all this stuff. It, it is there, folks, right in our face, but if you care to look for it. So, in God's wrath, uh, what happens? Great boils and sores come upon all who take the mark and worship the beast. And so much for your health. Because a lot of these people, and to get the mark, are going to be worshiping, or they're, they're under the Gaia spell to save the planet, okay? Nothing wrong with about doing good to the planet, taking care of and being a good steward. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a narcissistic idea of it. A pagan idea of honoring Gaia, Mother Earth. If you watch the shows and seen some of the commentaries out there over this last 2020 Christmas in the Vatican, they had a Mother Earth goddess icon on display okay just just saying this stuff is is very prevalent today when well, revelation chapter 16 verse 3 speaks about the second bowl that is going to be poured unto the sea and there's a lot here folks you have the mesopotamian god nama aka who i think is timiat is whose name means a shining one is over the primordial sea or the abyss Next in Revelation 16:4, the third angel pours out his bowl on for the fresh water. That's the fallen watcher known as Inki, or A.K. the Abuz. Well, you have both types of water. The sea and the fresh are seen in these two bowls being poured out, symbolizing the pagan Baal cycle. 
And so let's put these elemental spirits together with the storyline of the old gods that actually help reveal their plans. Let me do that for you. So we have Gaia, the Mother Earth, whose goal is to bring somebody out of the abyss who is sentenced there, just like Jude chapter 1, 6 says. The angels who transgress their environment are down in the uh, deep, dark recesses of the pit, you know, Tartarus. And Revelation 9 mentions being released, things being released from that abyss. So, Gaia is working with Nama, representing the deep, the abyss, to get someone trapped in the abyss back out on Earth again with the help of Inki, a.k.a. the Abus, who dispenses occultic water to slake human spiritual thirst to guide humanity to replace God and reset his kingdom and to prepare the way for the one to be released from the abyss, that's called the devil's champion to prepare for the final battle against God. Okay, The main idea of the Baal cycle involves chopping up of God's order and design and slaying who they call the chaos monster, which is actually God Almighty himself. They can't destroy God, but they want to destroy his people, his design and order. Chop it up, make God a servant to them, and, their throne, and have the devil's throne exalted above God so they can build back better, a better universe, okay, according to narcissistic altruism that kills, robs, and destroys, and maims, and mutilates, causes havoc, has no caring whatsoever about another person's feelings. They're just going to do it. Shut up and obey. That's the idea here. So, the occult plan is summed up in the occult world as order out of chaos. You ever heard that before? Uh, as above, so below, order out of chaos. Well, they lead humanity to commit grievous acts of chaos and sin in order to draw God himself back to earth, as Revelation chapter 12 reveals, where they were cast to, because the demonic forces there of hell, basically the devil and his minions, were cast to earth, according to Revelation chapter 12. And the idea is to bring God down to earth, or overpower him, and chop up his order and kingdom. And guess what? They need a champion. That's called the Antichrist, okay? So these entities were cast to earth, and they're waiting for final judgment, and they're also waiting for that one last battle where their champion, the Antichrist, who will have suddenly new weapons made by, forged by human beings, I guess, uh, will be able to help the Antichrist defeat God. They think they can. In the template, in the storylines of the old gods, we see earth goddess Gaia and Nama, the deep sea, Inki, fresh water, seeking to release one called the sun deity held in the abyss back on earth as a human champion to replace Jesus as the author of all creation. That's the role of the Antichrist, to replace Christ. The fallen watcher named Gira, or Kothar, helps guide humanity to forge ahead with fire, our new technology, forging with fire. That's what Gira is about, a Kothar. Forging with fire and new technologies, new metals, new means, new weapons that eventually be used by the Antichrist in his kingdom against God, whom they brand as the Chaos Monster. Okay, So they become the creators of a new world out of the parts of God's kingdom and people. By creating such chaos in the world, God must come directly himself and intervene. Okay, and they do this by selling humanity a bunch of utopic lies that they need to make chaos in order to 
build back better world. You have to make chaos. You have to burn down the whole system. And there, and this is why when you see in, in the scriptures here, in the revelations, you have seven trumpets, they do their job, one third of the world's resources and people are gone. And the people are, these people are going, yeah, we're making chaos. Woohoo! We're almost there. So the bowls of wrath are poured out. Instead of repenting, they go, yeah, we're making chaos. We're, we're going to bring God down. We're going to slay him. And the Antichrist's job is just that. They want humanity to create these so-called weapons or whatever in order to draw God down so they can chop up, chop up his people, his order, his design, make God a servant, and they rule it all. That's their plan, folks. If you don't understand that, you'll miss a lot of what the book of Revelation is, is saying. And that's, and that's just the point of it, the matter there. Next, we see the next two bowls being poured out on the Antichrist and his kingdom and the bringing of the kings of the earth together. Then there is a pause, and during this pause, we see these things happen. In Revelation 16, verse 13, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Remember that? I shared about that last week. And these go out to deceive all the kings of the earth. Now, what does all that mean? The whole world is drawn by an occultic lie. How? What is that occultic lie? Have we ever really, really explored it? This is the lie of order out of chaos, is the occult dream. Now this branded chaos is fully actualized. Over two-thirds of the world's resources and population are destroyed. They reduce the human population like they want to. They have created chaos. They know that God is going to be coming back. They got the Antichrist ready. They got the, he's, he's bending his bow, getting his mace ready, his secret weapons to go after God and make him servient and chop up his people, chop up his order, chop up his design and build it back better because they are looking out for your best interest and your best interest according to these narcissistic uh, principalities and powers and these leaders that are being deceived by these things is that um, you have to destroy everything kill a lot of people in order to make it better wow what a what a system it makes you just want to join right in with them my whole point is this, folks. Babylon is the system that prepares the world to bring about chaos, to collapse it all, to burn it all to the ground, to reset the world into a new world order. To chop up God's kingdom into pieces, one piece at a time, to get God so hacked off he has to come back, and in order to rebuild theirs, is about to be had. These people are, are salivating. That's so you, these demonic spirits go out and they deceive the leaders, who these narcissistic leaders who are under the control of narcissistic spirits to go and they got it. This is, this is, this is it. We can have the whole earth. We can build it back better. We have achieved our dream, our plans. The world economic forum is about to be actualized. The fourth industrial revolution going into the fifth spiritual kingdom is about to be had. Woohoo! They're there. They they are gung ho, boy. Besides that, all the world's resources are located in one area, Israel. So they're going after everything. Okay. So during the pause between the sixth and seventh seal, all are drawn into one last battle because all the world has now been brought into a state of utter chaos. Like I said, two thirds of everything are gone. So you have order out of chaos is the occult dream has finally arrived. And what I just said here appears, and I'm saying it appears, to answer how folks could be drawn into one last battle to do battle against God himself. That the Bible um, 
speaks up because they have been made and totally insane by devils. And next we see this dramatic scene where Jesus interrupts with these dramatic words. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. And so we see Jesus saying, I'm coming back. Now you know why he's saying that? Because it's got to be such a mess. God has to intervene to save things, okay? So Jesus is coming back. So the cult world says, the chaos monster is coming back. Woohoo! We can chop up these orders, designs, people, everything. We can take it over now through the Antichrist, our champion. That's how they are thinking. That's not how I think. That's how they think. What is Jesus referring to here? See, dramatic events, like I said, tie into other dramatic events. So there's no mistake what Jesus is referring to. So I have to go into the future here to find out what Jesus, if there's any connection, another dramatic scene that will connect to this one to tell me when this event happens. And it's seen in Revelation 19 verse 11. And now when I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Talking about Jesus coming back with the saints riding behind him, making a war against the Antichrist, all his menus, in line, exactly what's going on in uh, Revelations chapter 16. Remember, dramatic scenes connect with other dramatic scenes. It follows a narrative count and fills in the gaps how all this comes together. Understand that, the book of Revelation comes alive. So, as Revelation 16, 16 says, And they were gathered together to a place called Hebrew, Armageddon. I think that's self-explanatory. That's why this is important. So we get back to Revelation 16, verse 19. And all of a sudden, you look at it, and it says this, Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So you see this next dramatic event. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. The great Babylon is that den of unclean birds and jackals and all demonic hosts and spirits, the principalities and powers over there. Babylon is the master of all deception and lies and sorcery, occult illumination. Babylon is the system that prepares the world to bring about chaos, to collapse it all, burn it all to ground, to reset it, to make a brave new world of build back better. It's all this is about this whole system that brought this about is about to be remembered before God. With that, we're going to look at the first few verses of Revelation chapter 17 and the details and events that God remembers in eternal time that looks into the past, recalls the historical flow of the Babylonian system here and the final future of Babylon, the system Babylon, great Babylon is going to be seen here in these verses. So, so let's look at Revelation chapter 17 verses 1 and 2. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. The great harlot Babylon sits on many waters. Waters is defined in the text in verse 15 as number of people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. The Greek word sits means to dwell amongst to influence, to guide, to govern, and to control. That's the idea of sitting. That's what the word means. You do an etymology study on it, that's what, that's what it means. To dwell amongst, to, in order to influence and guide and govern. So Babylon sits on what? The nations and multitudes of people, tongues and, and languages, to guide, govern, and control it. 
So you have an idea of now Babylon is being revealed. So the great harlot dwells amongst, influences, guides, governs, and controls by giving occultic water to peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, altering languages into a groupthink idea. If you control the language, you do it in order to housebreak and control the thoughts. So nobody dares challenge the lying narratives, and the grandiose narratives are narcissistic control by human narcissistic leaders who are offering a system that will only fail and never has achieved anything okay but their ideas they these are narcissists you can't reason with them and they're under narcissistic spirits who are motivating this to deceive them to swim laps in the lake of fire when they don't even know what they're doing so verse 2 says with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication out of the new king james there the kings of the earth who are they today there defines them as the leaders of people princes and commanders lords of the lands can kings and i add i'll add in the modernizes they're the rulers and political hacks they are the great merchants the owners of all the big corporate monopolies and the top world elites a small number really indeed just Maybe the small number of people who are doing this, maybe are whom Daniel refers as helping the Antichrist come to power with a small number of people. And they commit fornication. And the word fornication is porneo. That's where we get the word pornography. They commit pornography. Just think of that. So porneo works like this. It causes the elite world to look at pictures and literature that draws the elite leaders away to commit spiritual fornification. you got to think of diction here to seductive lies about making a better world and return to paganism's old days, to make blood sacrifices to acquire power, to bring forth chaos into the world so it burns to the ground so that they can be all reshaped out of the parts of the old into a new utopia. So what porneo does, if you keep tracking with me, it replaces words, it seeks to change season, times, and laws, that house breaks the masses to, to submit to their tyranny and make them believe that this is new freedom. Where one earns a little freedom back, if they shut up and obey, they'll get something back. Okay, The narcissists view people as animals to be housebroken. You ever dealt with a narcissist? These are overt narcissists. There's covert narcissists. And there's uh, middle-of-the-road narcissists. But I'm telling you, a narcissist is a narcissist. They have no feeling for you. You are a serf. You are a lower class. You're somebody to use as a commodity. And they speak, speak great swelling words to seduce you and porneo to addict you to remain under their control. Those of you who have ever been under a narcissist in a family or in a church, you know the control, you know the game, you know the ritual. And you see it happening in our political spectrum right now. We have a change in the regime, so to speak, of narcissists who now rule the world. Just think about it. Think what's coming here. So the idea of housebreaking the masses by changing time, seasons, and laws in order to do so is very addicting to these people and uh, this idea sold sold to these elites and addicts the mind like pornography and lust it just simply consumes you that's what happens with these people they're totally consumed with it 
All the world leaders are talking about building back better now. Do you have any idea what build back better means? You have to destroy people's lives. You have to crush them. You have to destroy it, make them starve. You have to kill, rob, and destroy to do it. Tells me this is not for a person's best interest because they don't have any feelings for what it does to the common person. That's not how you do things, folks. That's not how God himself is at all. God reasoned with people. These people want to dominate and control you. But God likes to win the argument and convince you. And if you don't listen, then punishment comes. I'm just telling you like it is. These people say, we're going to train you like an animal. So verse 2 continues with this. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. This means they were made intoxicated. Sort of with a bloodlust craziness that sets in, an insane drive to destroy it all so one can build it back better so we can get a little reward here. Uh, we get the mark, we buy, sell, and eat. Can you see how all this begins to fit? It takes hold of a person's soul. They become drunk and intoxicated with the very lies of climate change. You become very intoxicated with the lies of uh, population control, as they define it. Paul warns of such a time coming in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He calls it perilous times come, where people are lovers of themselves. And this selling of pleasure and lovers of themselves and pleasures and all that stuff here is narcissistic tools used to control people. Read it again if you know anything about narcissism. And you'll catch on real quick. Well, their, their idea is to replace God's goodness with moral depravity, they want to replace God's goodness with amorality and redefine these as a new normal, a new good. To be altruistic, you've got to honor the depraved and the mentally insane. To be morally superior and good, you have to burn down your house, burn down the village that you live in, and build it back better. So, folks, the Babylonian system here intoxicates people with visions of beauty, health, and wisdom through philosophies that concern how that your life is going to be really, you'll have long life, you have plenty of food, you're going to gain all kinds of wisdom, uh, you'll have illumination, you'll be smarter than the average bear, you're going to have new light, you're going to have a brave new world, it's going to be beautiful and perfect. So they're just selling this stuff to you like that. So they define what, what makes beautiful beauty, what makes healthy healthy, what makes wise wise. They give the definition of it. Their whole purpose is to replace God's ideas about these things with Babylon's idea so that order out of chaos can be actualized at a future time so a one world leader can put it all into motion to bring God down to earth and and chop up his order and design and purposes and, and make it this utopic world they have envisioned for everybody uh, robbing, killing, destroying the new norm. That's what they're selling, folks. That's what they're selling. So we come to Revelation chapter 17, verse 3. So John writes, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. John was carried into the wilderness, and the wilderness in Old Testament times and biblical terms and stuff symbolizes a place of judgment and trials and testing. And here it's judgment. So John is carried into the wilderness. This entity called the harlot is going to be judged by God. God's going to see the rise, fall, the rise, the history, and the fall of this entity known as the harlot, Sister Babylon. Okay? 
A harlot is seen sitting on a scarlet beast. The word sitting here means dwelling upon the beast, in other words, getting her marching orders on how to directly influence the world. Okay? The devil likes to hide behind others in order to work through them. In this way, he's mocking the works of God, how God works through a heavenly council or a divine council. If you know anything about the divine council, um, you understand what I'm saying here. So the devil likes to work through. So this is one of his top legion commanders who's riding on his back, receiving his orders, and how to build it back better. Okay. The color scarlet is associated with the, uh, with, and its meaning is devotion, sacrifice. It also means religious passion. It's related to a blood sacrifice type of system some way. It's also associated with courage and passion, passionate heat, great joy, and yes, the war and shedding of blood. That's what the word scarlet means and all that. The scarlet beast, who's that? The scholars point out it is the Antichrist, and his power is granted to him by the devil. Therefore, the devil infuses the Antichrist with devotion, sacrifice, religious passion. There are other scholars who say the scarlet beast is, is the devil. But I look at all the most majority commentaries say that the scarlet beast is the Antichrist, okay? Who is controlled by the um, devil. So, you got, you got the whole thing there. You have the, pretty much everything right there. So, the devil infuses the Antichrist with devotion, sacrifice, religious passion, infused with demonic courage and heat and passion, and all manner of warfare and how to shed blood that came by replacing the atoning sacrifice of Jesus with his, by his own resurrection of the dead by a mortal head wound that we read about earlier. Let's put the parts of the Bible together. Think. That's all I'm asking you is to think. Consider what I say. This is my research. I'm presenting it to you to check out on your own. The harlot who sits upon the beast indicate how she helps raise this entity, the Antichrist, out of the abyss to rule the world, to prepare the way. Remember, she's riding on the back of this scarlet beast in order to help him come to power. This is the Babylonian system. This is Babylon. The harlot influences the great men of earth to keep the vision alive, to bring final order out of chaos with the ultimate plan of chopping up God's old order so they can build a new order back better. The harlot system helps to finance this goal throughout the vast centuries of human history. So the world is trained to accept this new world order of dominance controlled by narcissists in exchange for limited little tidbits of freedom that you once had in abundance. Now it's taken away and they give it to you as a reward. Oh, nice puppy. Nice puppy. Here, here's a Scooby snack. That's what they're doing. I'm just telling you. And that's the harlot system all throughout history. It influences the world's elite to keep this vision alive through occultic rituals. You think that this is that the occult, a lot of the world's elites are not into the occult and not involved in Satanism, are not involved in Luciferianism, are not involved in secret societies. I think you need to get a spiritual V8 and wake up and smell some heavenly coffee and have the senses jerked out of you so, and, and shaken up so you can wake up and see what the world is going on right now. So the harlot system, like I said, finances this goal and keeps the vision alive. So they're driven, driven to this. They have plans, war games. They plan for it for centuries. An example of this nowadays is this. The harlot sitting upon the beast indicates that the Antichrist supports the harlot and her system 
by flexing his political power through a compliant governing humanity. That's a lot of words there. The harlot is associated with a, the same type of blasphemy that the Antichrist has. Okay, That blasphemy is to replace God. Antichrist means to replace, to counterfeit. Okay, So her harlot is associated with the blasphemy of counterfeiting God. Okay, she brings forth a one world religion, okay, that appears like the one designed to fix all the world's ill with high toned buzzwords and empty phrases in order to replace God in the hearts and minds of the people on earth and all throughout human history with this blasphemy that seeks to utterly replace God. Revelation chapter 17 verse 4 says this, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations of the filthiness of her fortification. Let's break that down here. She was arrayed in purple. Let's look at the symbols of, and with the symbolic meanings and the meanings in the Bible of what these colors and what all these symbols represent. Okay, Purple symbolizes the calm. It symbolizes stability. It is associated with royalty, nobility, luxury, power, ambition, as well as wealth extravagance, creativity, wisdom, dignity, grandeur, devotion, peace, pride, mystery, independence, and magic. Now, I will add idleness to it. Idleness. Not I-D-O-L, but I-D-L-E. Idleness. Idleness in, in the Hebrew sense and the Greek sense didn't just mean being idle and doing nothing. It meant to deliberately for your jolly time to put other people down by dominating and controlling them and, and making them depressed and feel repression and intimidation. So these are idle people who, who are royalty, nobility, luxury, they're ambitious, they're very ruthless, and they love to oppress people. Very narcissistic. I bet you didn't know that. But purple means that. But purple also means royalty too. And it, the context that's found in the scripture describes its meaning. And here it's referring to the harlot, and it's not a good definition. And the harlot was arrayed in what? Scarlet and purple, right? So we just described purple. So now this was arrayed in scarlet. Again, scarlet is associated with devotion, sacrifice, religious passion, related to a blood sacrificial system. It's associated with courage, passion, great joy, and war, and shedding of blood, okay? That's the idea of it. And adorned with gold. She was adorned with gold. So this system here, um, the harlot system, the Babylonian system, is associated with devotion and sacrifice. Just think, think what the mantra is. You're going to hear this a lot. We're, we are a global community. Do it for your neighbor. Sacrifice. You know, I'm, just, I'm being a little facetious here, but you're going to hear that word a lot. Now, uh, don't do it for yourself. No, 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 no. We're, we're just do it, do it, do it, do it for everybody else. That's a good thing to do in and of itself, but the, but spoken by a narcissist is a very clever use of words to get so you'll give up your freedom because they are the ones getting all the wealth. It'll, it, it's like this, folks. They want to help the poor. You give them $20. $1 goes to the poor person that you're trying to help. $19 goes to the political fund action committees and the politicians and the world's elites. So that's how they view sacrifice, you know. 
they have uh, so this harlot system is all about setting up a new religious system they're very much into blood sacrifices that's why the murder of the unborn they want to keep that going because that in the occultic world the shedding of innocent blood acquires more power and I'm not making that up just study this out on your own and they they want to wage war not necessarily a fighting war they want to because a fighting war will destroy everything they want to control the destruction by using silent weapons and waging a quiet war okay that's what they do and economic weapons to collapse the economy bring everybody under their control so you have a mark to buy sell and eat that's the idea now this harlot system is adorned with gold and gold symbolizes a lot of things in the bible such as illumination love compassion courage it even can symbolize magic too in the occult world and wisdom wealth grandeur and prosperity as well as sparkle glitz and glamour those are all things that gold represents in the scriptures as well you know just do your own word search on it you'll it's very easy to find what i just said so the the harlot is babylon it's the ambiance that babylon projects it sells its wares to the masses as you know you need greater illumination you need to have altruistic love and compassion and courage and you have to be kind and gentle to to the profane and the people who want to slit your throat and you got to let the criminals go free you got to lock up free-minded people and you got to silence free speech because you know you got to have compassion that takes courage you know um so these so that's what they're selling they're selling compassion courage passion uh they sell the occult world of magic or whatever they want to control everything they want to have greater wisdom in order this so the babylonian system when it's working in the world as well as in the church it's all about gaining wealth it's about gaining greater gan uh grandeur it's great for narcissists here because they because you know that's what it is and they do it by sparkle glitz and glamour so the Babylonian system is about sparkle, glitz, and glamour. Let your mind wonder on that one. That's what it's about. You see a lot of that. Do you see it happening today? Next, the harlot is adorned with precious stones and pearls. Well, precious stones mean gemstones, and gemstones symbolizes love, hope. They also symbolize the gift of prophecy, I bet you didn't know that, and protection from disease, and they are symbols for hope, purity, and truth. I'm just kind of combining all this together about, about every gemstone here. So that's what these ideas are about the gemstone. So the harlot is going to come as a loving being, a very Aphrodite type of being, filled with hope. We're going to build it back better. It's about the gift of prophecy. We're going to tell you the future, and we're going to make it happen. We're going to force it upon you. And they have, and we're promising you protection from disease. We're going to make you beautiful, glitzy, and glamorous. We're going to have purity and, and, and truth as they define, not truth as it really means. Truth is subjectively how they define, how narcissists define truth. That's very important. So the harlot Ambien projects these ideas by great seductive talk that redefines what love is, redefines what hope is, redefines what prophecy is, redefines promises of protection from diseases, redefines purity and changes truth to subjectivism do you see any of this happening today and the harlot is gone goes on in the text is adorned with pearls a pearl is a symbol of perfection and incorruptibility 
is a symbol of long life and fertility. In occult lore, the pearl is considered a moon symbol. Now things are beginning to click in your mind. If you know the stuff, you start to click in your mind. And since it is buried within an oyster shell, and the oyster shell in the occult world represents hidden knowledge, it's that come from the divine feminine principle, i.e. Ishtar. Not just Ishtar, but this is the triple goddess lore. Babylonian system is governed by the triple goddess. I bet you didn't realize that. I'll explain that in a minute. So you have the harvest ambience that projects seduction, that seduces the world with new ideas about what perfect, what is incorruptible, what produces long life, what is fertility or sexuality mean. It comes by hidden secret knowledge. It's the Gnostic divine feminine principle. Do you see a lot of that going on today? And Revelation continues and says, Having her hand held in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations of the filthiness of her fortification. A golden cup symbolizes traditions, values, family, the womb, and illumination, and, and love. Eros, mostly. The harlot's golden cup alters traditions, values. It alters the, what, what, it, what a family means. It alters what the wound is made for. It alters illumination, love, compassion, courage, wisdom, wealth, grandeur, prosperity, sparkle, and glitz. That's gold. It changes it. It alters it. That's the cup of fornication to get people addicted to altering their values, altering what God's idea of family is to destroy it, destroy the, the wound through abortion, to destroy uh, education through occult illumination with redefinitions of compassion and wisdom and wealth and grandeur by a lot of sparkle and glitz to get you addicted. These are all in vogue worldwide right before our eyes while the church is seduced to ignore this invasion and that that's literally trying to change our very thought life to ex accept only the depraved and the profane as a new norm. Now, I'm going to get back to the triple goddess stuff here, okay? I kind of left you hanging. And Revelation chapter 17, verse 5, identifies who the harlot is. It's the Babylonian system. And on her forehead was a name written, the mystery of Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. It's in caps, too. This is the Lord. This is just shouting this out. So on her head was written, the mystery of Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. In the Bible, you can read it, forehead devotes hard-headed devotion to a deity or a person. You set your mind like a flint. That's the idea of, of forehead. So forehead de denotes devotion to a deity, a person. could devote uh, um, total allegiance to the devil here. Okay. So on her forehead was written, Mystery Babylon, great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. Roman prostitutes wore a headband with their name engraved upon it to sell themselves to. And the word name also is implied here and was written with a name, the mother of harlots here. And that describes one's character traits. The word name in the Bible always refers to one's character traits. So her character traits are expressed in the meanings of the colors of the stones and pearls that we just went over. The mother of harlots points to Nama. In, of triple goddess lore 
got the old crone who rules through the mother figure which whom i call in the mesopotamian lore as ninlil and energized to carry out the meanings of the colors of the stones and pearls by the young warrior princess known as artemis ishtar azara aphrodite why to housebreak and train humanity how to act and to seduce opponents to submit to them or kill them if they resist that's a triple goddess for you this helps uncover exactly why we read what we read in verse 6 remember um, it's a triple goddess the old crone the mother figure the young warrior goddess the beautiful warrior goddess artemis diana ishtar azareth aphrodite who's sent to housebreak and train humanity and if you don't submit they want to kill you listen to verse 6 and out of the new king james i saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints with the blood of martyrs of Jesus, when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Revelation 17:7. 7. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 out of the new king james then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying to me come i'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters the word judgment comes up associated with the word wilderness that we just read about about judgment it all lines up with the scripture here folks and so if someone asked me do the numbers here mean anything since you know numbers yeah they do okay you have two numbers used in the context. And what numbers are those? You have one of the seven angels who had seven bowls. See, so you have seven and seven. One of the angels implies one of the seven. Right now, how you actually read that, you just have seven and seven. You don't need to apply the one. But you can for further information. But I can get into that much later. I'm not going to get into it now. You add them together and you get two numbers, seven and fourteen. Okay? and you know seven is the idea of perfection establishing a perfection through a long period of time of planting growing tending and keeping okay it's the idea of perfection and bring about wholeness and soundness how by deliverance from somebody and here it's deliverance from the harlot system so the seven bowls of wrath are to complete god's perfection to make all things whole and sound again by delivering people from the harlot system so he's going to bring judgment to it and there's a lot more to the numbers than ike have time to talk about right now in fact i'm going to close this segment out and we're going to explore some of the meanings of these numbers because there's a whole series of numbers listed i know some of you like the, this stuff I've been staying away from it for far too long. Went in and dug in it. And stay tuned for next week's message. Because I will get into the numbers and explain these numbers more. Show you how they tie into the direct context of the book of Revelation. That does not add to it nor take away from it. it gives, it's like God's commentary. Just like the two sevens there. <laughs> saying that God's going to bring all, all things back to his order, perfection, wholeness, and soundness. How? By delivering people away from the harlot system. Amen. And yet, we're going to see how that happens. 
in the next week. So that's more for next time. And so with that, I'm going to kind of close things out. And you just look on the screen for the contact information because you can contact me at my website, AfterHoursMinistries.com. Now, I'm in the process of updating it because a lot of the shows that I did, um, people's uh, YouTube sites got canceled. So there's a lot of blank spaces. I got to get back in there. I'm only one person. I don't have a staff. I don't have a lot of money either to do all that stuff hire anybody to do this for me and I'm swamped as it is but just saying I'll get that but you can find my contact information there you can look on the screen find it if you'd like to help and support me all that information will be on the screen so with that I want you all to be blessed in Jesus name and next week we're going to explore all kinds of interesting things out of Revelations chapter 17 I hope you got something out of this and understand how the book of Revelation reads you have a dramatic scene that dramatic scene will connect to another dramatic scene that keeps you on track and helps sort out the minutiae so you don't have to go back and forth and endlessly debate something, whatever, trying to figure it out. In fact, it's right there. The Bible explains itself. If you know about the old gods and their template and their plans, the book of Revelation really begins to make a lot of sense. And all this stuff kind of fits. Some of you, this will be the first time you've ever heard of anything like this. But with that, I'm just going to look, I want to say, stay tuned for next week and learn more on the, as we go through the book of Revelations. Be blessed in Jesus' name.